Hello and welcome to the Mark and Zach Show, where we look at life from a slightly different perspective. Uh, we've used the title in all of our podcasts up to date as The Outsiders, which we've, re- we've realized over time has um, a wide reaching implication and, amongst other things, many other podcasts with the same title. So we're going for the personal touch, and that is Mark and Zach. So I'm Mark, and the other one over there is Zach. Nice to see you all. Nice to see you, Mark. I don't know why I was waving then. Obviously, you won't be able to hear I don't know. Very good. Very 1930s, Zach. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, we are, yeah, we're, we're, we're moving on with our program. And today, we thought of something a little bit more nostalgic. And we were talking prior to the recording. We thought, is there a film, or are there many films, but a film that comes to mind? of um, our period growing up, which would have been slightly different because we're a slightly different age group, but, you know, um, around the, let's say, around the 80s stroke 90 period. And we came up with a great film that I really loved, and Zach also remembers, um, called The Breakfast Club, which was a John Hughes film, and it was very, very um, influential, certainly for me growing up both in terms of the storyline, you know, the teenagers fighting for their own voice, independence and direction, and with some fantastic music, um, which I think probably kicked me off into the kind of new wave era with, uh, with Simple Minds, iconic Don't You Forget About Me being the, the title track. Zach, what, what's your memory? of The Breakfast Club? Um, well, it's a brilliant film. I first watched it on the the hallowed format of VHS, if anyone remembers VHS. Um, so I spent a great deal of my childhood and teenage years in a video shop in Pembury. I think it's now a house. It's been convert, trained, turned into a house. But it's a tiny little shop. Um, and uh, you could get whatever you really wanted. I mean, I know we shouldn't say these sorts of things, but, you know, we are a bit rebellious. But when it came to renting videos, you weren't really asked your age. You were just told to hand over your money and you'd get it. So uh, I, I went through a lot of Nightmare on Elm Streets at uh, the dear old age of, I don't know, 14 maybe. Um, and then The Breakfast Club, which was a 15 certificate. Um but I remember distinctly watching it, and the soundtrack is what really hits. That's the uh, the thing that really, really sort of grabs you immediately. But as you say, the Simple Mind song, um, just it's just a timeless song. Maybe because of that film, I don't know, or that it's just because Simple Mind's very good group, excellent group, and you know I've got one of their live albums downstairs in the in the study. But um, that song. In the cellar, yeah. But it's that <laughs> song in particular that stands out above all their others, I think. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a stadium filler, isn't it? The whole thing. I remember, um, funny enough, being I think about that time, more or less the time the film came out. Um, I'd just been on a trip um, on Eurorail, so Interrail or whatever it was called, and uh, had a Dutch girlfriend at the time, and she came to, over to the UK to visit me. We saw them play. The Milton Keynes uh, Bowl—it was absolutely rammed—and of course, that was the song mm. that 
kicked everything off. But I mean, of course, they've got many, many albums and great, great tracks. But that was probably, you know, the iconic, the icon. And of course, Hollywood made, you know, made that a, a global, a global hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think the film also, I mean, other than that particular song, um, it was, it wasn't even a particularly expensive film, was it? It was just filmed in a schoolroom, yeah. pretty much. Um, but it had all the elements, didn't it, of friendship, bullying, yeah. intimidation, fighting, uh, self-expression, mm. people sort of branching off in their own sort of segments of the room. Yeah, because it was more or less set in that one room, wasn't it? They're in detention. Yeah. The kids in detention on a Saturday morning. Uh, you've got the grumpy teacher, the gr- who's it sort of represents society in a way, or maybe certainly teenagers Absolutely. and how they react to grown-ups. Um, and you have a cross-section of society with each person. You've got the sporty one. You've got the the sort of gothy, gothic one who is quite sort of um, dangerous. gothic yeah. Um, you've, got, you've got the sort of sweet and innocent girl who we discover isn't so sweet and innocent. It's just a sort of um persona she puts on for the benefit of her family um you've got the nerdy kids as well it's really sort of it takes every every different personality puts them all into one room to create this tension and then you've got the teacher the the so-called um uh what civilized one or the 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 one in charge he was the voice of reason and responsibility wasn't he He constantly losing his temper from what I remember. But that was the whole thing, the whole dynamic, right? So it just shows society encapsulated in one room. Yeah. Very nice, very nicely. Um, builds its own tension, you know, in, in, in its own way. And it reflects, it absolutely reflects society yeah. in a very simple um, one room scenario. And it does go to show how simple storytelling and certainly filmmaking can be. That we're it can we can get overcomplicated with things and go off on tangents, especially nowadays. I mean, that film, The Breakfast Club, I think it came out in the early eighties, and most eighties films are around ninety minutes because they don't need to be longer than that. Most films now, you're looking at a bum ache of three hours, and and you're still only getting the same. I mean, not even getting the same story. You're not getting the same emotional depth in most modern films of that sort of kind of genre. But we've also moved on. You see now everything is immediate and and people want to get straight to it really. Um, Unless they want to drag it out through a TV series. Yeah. uh, In a film it's yeah, it can either be the quickest and most enjoyable period or the longest. Yeah. Most painful drawn out. I'm finding um, most superhero films now are tired and painful to watch. <laughs> so what I was going to just round up, I mean, we reflecting on, on the film, and for those of you listening, uh, I, I hope that you can recall The Breakfast Club. Um, as Zach said, it was, I think, early 1980s and what it means to you. But I think we also wanted to kind of talk about parallels of the, uh, the concept of the outsider in this particular storyline because it as well as in capturing, you know, the society in all of its guises. How many of those people in the group do you think were outsiders there? Um, I was just thinking about that. I think all of them. 
in their own mm. in their own environment. Uh, uh, they were all outcasts from their family. There was something that led them to misbehave in in society in in the school rules, um, and were all feeling alienated from uh, the people that they are supposed to trust. And I wonder, I'm trying to remember the teacher's name because he didn't want to be there either. He was fed up of being there on a Saturday. So you could even say that he was an outsider as well. It was a a room full of them. Uh, And they're in a library as well, aren't they? Isn't that where it's set? Um, So you've got these outsiders um, connected into a, brought together into a place full of information and learning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very, very strange um, kind of backdrop for it. Was the librarian in the film as well? I think there was some, wasn't there a caretaker or something like that? Ah, so everybody, right? Yeah. Is exactly as you said, were there against their will or against their choice. Yeah. And um, having to do this kind of period of time. Yeah. To, to atone in different ways. Obviously, the teacher wasn't obviously the most popular teacher. And the caretaker was like just there because they had to be there yeah and the librarian probably had to be there because of the detention and everybody else had to be there because they were they you know broken the rules or something yeah done something um so it yeah very smart storyline all encapsulated in that scenario it's very so, clever. john hughes who directed it um john hughes he wrote it and directed it a lot of his films and characters that he created were outsiders weren't they considered to be Absolutely. sort of uh in a, a not quite fitting into the environment that they're around you've got i mean we we discussed uncle buck just before we uh came on air i, love that. I mean there's a there's an outsider such there, a brilliant it? film yeah 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 i mean again you know the guy that's sort of never invited to anything i mean and that really is a story of an outsider isn't it yeah, who's being welcomed back into he's he's the complete opposite of his brother and um is just nobody he doesn't he doesn't know where he fits in and nobody seems to want to fit him in but but he sh- he shows his heart he's he just comes at he shows his emotion um and that's partly why because I remember that film with the parents being quite stuffy and a bit sort of um rigid in their thinking and I think John Hughes when he wrote these things liked to have that um that sort of battle really between the stuffiness of people but and but also against the real depth and emotion of the ones who are deemed as the write-offs but are actually the ones who better understand the world and the outcome in that film, just for those, to spoil it for those of you who probably hadn't, hadn't seen it, was so brilliant. In the, well, in, in essence, without going into details, he ends up being the hero, doesn't he? Yeah. He ends up being the yeah. saviour of the whole fiasco. Yeah. Which is brilliant. Absolutely he does. superb film. Yeah, and uh, the, the kids grow to love him, and he, he engages yeah. with the teenage daughter who really hated him, but he manages to get her on side as well. And uh, of course, he upsets the teacher. Is it the head headmistress or something? Who... I think he upset managed to upset everybody <laughs> at, the, at the beginning, and then yeah. they all turn out to, <laughs> to love him. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, a film that I really do love is Ferris Bueller. In fact, there's a video clip that I just saw recently with the teacher in the classroom, 
and you just see all the kids staring into like space while he says, anyone, <laughs> anyone. And they're all just like dribbling and staring yeah. at him with loathing. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Just on linking to what you just said, mm-hmm. that character, I read a story about him that he was a former professor of economics who then went into acting. So everything right. that he, he said in that bit <laughs> was actually was real. That wasn't scripted. It was just him spouting off some <laughs> knowledge. And they recorded it was so boring. So, yeah, yeah. Just say something. Said, yeah. Okay, I'll tap into my economics. <laughs> yeah. And they were but that was but that was absolutely priceless where the kids were just looking at it <laughs> yeah. in contempt, loathing. Yeah. And dribbling at the same time. Yeah, yeah. that was superb. But again, and even in that film. Ferris Bueller was the outsider again, right? Yeah. He didn't fall into any particular uh, behavior, did his own thing. Yeah. Even set up how to pass without having to pass. And yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. He was a um, brilliant storyline. Yeah. Brilliant. Because I think every kid, when that came out, wanted to be that. Didn't quite have the guts to do it. You know? I remember actually watching these films when I was, yeah, I don't know. If, teenager as well let's say late teenager you know you you do watch those films and you start to make comparisons with your situation and where you fit in and, and where you don't fit in and, yeah. and whether you can relate to those characters um it happens this kind of i think social norm or social behavior starts to really kick in around the teenage period doesn't it so uh, yeah now with social media i mean it's 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 gone to another level altogether, right? Yeah. The ways people can be praised or abused or mm. whatever it happens to be across the world in one single post. Really. It is quite scary, really, isn't it? That you can, um, you, there's almost a fear sometimes to stick your neck out too far because you will get shot down by the Twitter sphere. and By a camera. Yeah. By a camera, by somebody filming something. They hide behind their avatars. Yeah, the camera. Mm. Yeah, they hide behind the camera. They hide behind the avatar, and this is now becoming a situation which is affecting everything that's public. You know, yeah. public in the public domain. Yeah, but I mean, there have been some terrible outcomes of yeah. uh, bullying, cyberbullying. Yeah, it's quite horrific. I've always gone along the rule that I would, if I couldn't say it to a person's face, then I'm not posting it on. Um, Social media. That tends yeah. to be my. But then we're a different generation, actually. Yeah. That, that's it. It's all. It's all changed. It's all shifted in that regard. So um, yeah, interesting stuff. I yeah. wondered. I was wondering whether anyone listening to this can relate to these these topics. Um, how being yourself is affected by the the environment you're in, and if you can remember your teenage years and how formative they were in terms of how you how you are now <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and I, I guess as you get oh I've certainly found as I'm getting older I'm becoming more rebellious I think I I don't don't sort of hold as much um weight to what other people think of me it, it becomes less important and but I think as a teenager you're very self-conscious aren't you and worried about the impression that you're giving and you're you want to fit in to you know to to a circle to you want to be accepted into things into your family into your friends um whereas films like ferris bueller 
can you can relate to that as a as a teenager uncle buck less so because uncle buck is the adult behaving like the child still from i can relate to that now i'm much, that much older but he was also the character that passed on the lessons the live yeah. lessons yeah. the life lessons physically while they were going through their various situations it, yeah. it was brilliant it was brilliant in that regard yeah um but again, I think we picked this topic today because we just happened to be talking about it. And we realized that as we were talking about it, that all of the characters in these films happen to be, you know, on the outside looking in. It, yeah. It's kind of very relevant. Yeah, they're all outcasts, aren't they? The <clears throat> Breakfast Club lot, the Uncle Buck, Ferris Bueller, and his friends, Cameron and I can't remember his girlfriend's name, but they're all in on it i mean cameron was on tablets i think he was lying in bed there's gloomy music going on and then of course they steal his dad's car and we've all done that right (laughs) so we've all got similarities in real life as well as in as in fiction no it um they are great films and it's interesting sort of looking at them from an emotional aspect and from a from the society sort of side of things that in our other episodes stories are integral to us as human beings we our life is our story we like to connect using stories um and obviously we are the key hero in our own individual stories so um i'm going to be ferris bueller for the rest of my life yes why not why not or uncle buck be the other one (laughs) have a cigar (laughs) <laughs> yeah let's not go into it uh, mind you there, there was one scene in that film that did make me cry and i still remember it today it was when he uh when he went to the kids the kids party he took the the daughter and i think it was the two of them i don't know if he took the daughter and somebody they went to the party and, and the clown arrives you know <laughs> half cut yeah <laughs> and john Candy says yeah and he said the clown said, is this the party he goes sure you're the clown he goes yeah <laughs> so, by the way, have you been drinking? And he goes, oh, what are you? Mother Teresa. And John Candy just like flattens it out. It was brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant line there. That's a great. Funny movie. film with meaning. Yeah, very funny film with meaning. And um, there's there's some great lines in all of them, actually. There, there are some beautiful life lessons. Um, the one, obviously, the famous one from Fred Bueller is, life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop to take a take a look once in a while, you're going to miss it or something like that, which is very true. But uh, it's not something you're aware of when you're 15 so much. And it was Cameron who said that, wasn't it, as well? He was the, yeah. the, the moody, gloomy, pill-taking gloomy one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think that was just a little... I, we thought we'd, we'd uh, make this week's pod about something different. And today was a, a review of, of a couple of films anyway that seemed to resonate with us and connect obviously to the theme of being an outsider so we hope that you have enjoyed this particular episode and continue to join us on uh, the various links that we have we're on youtube we're on tiktok now we're on instagram facebook god knows we're, we're everywhere but just uh, find us carry on listening we we love having you with us and uh, we'll see you again for another episode next week but until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him <laughs> bye see you next time bye. <laughs>